Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 5 of For Your Eyes O-Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Cherokee Sentai O-Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how you doing today, bud? Pretty good, man. Saturday. Had a very relaxing day. Nice, nice. chilling. Very cool. Sort of a, a nice, relaxing, gray, rainy day to stay inside and do other stuff. Yeah. Well, speaking of doing other stuff, Matt. Yes, today we are Here we are, yet again. Back in the saddle. Uh, we are going to be watching episode five of Chorky Sentai O-Ranger today. It is called Fierce Love, The Burning Brothers. Uh, but before we get into that, Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? Matt. Matt. Dave? Our first, okay, listen. I love the show that we do. And I love Super Sentai. I, I'm glad. It's, yeah. It's kind of too late to change gears now. It would be weird, but Beth and I, we sat down this afternoon to watch a movie. Bet the twins were taking a nap. We're like, let's just watch a movie. We pull up Netflix, right? Like you do. Sure. And we're, we're just sort of browsing around, looking around. And uh, Beth sees a live-action television show, and it is called Blazing Transfer Student. Oh, you know, I Netflix recommended this show to me. It's like, here's a new show that we think you might like. And I well, said, Matt, and I said, you don't know me, Netflix, but maybe actually in this case you do. Nope, Netflix 100% knows you. You absolutely, <laughs> Matt, I'm, not, I'm not joking. We might need to do like a special episode on this show. It's, okay, so here very give me, quickly. Give me the bones here. Let me, tell me what's up with this thing. Here's the very quick version of this. Uh, Blazing Transfer Student was originally, I looked this up, was originally a manga that ran from like 1983 to 1985. And it is about like a dude who goes to a transfer, who transfers to a school and all disagreements in the school are solved with fights. And so he like learns how to be a fighter and he like wins the heart of the girl or something. I just read a synopsis. Anyways. Reasonable. Yeah, so this is based on that sort of. Uh, the main character from that manga is the principal of a high school. Now, let me be clear. This is a live-action television show. He is definitely from a manga. Uh, the part is played by a life-size uh, statue oh, okay. of the character who is a robot. Uh, <laughs> wait, and oh, he, okay, yeah. wait. So the character... From in the show is not a human. That is correct. Okay. Everyone else is a human. The principal <laughs> is the character from the manga who is played by a life-size robot. The school over, it's I think it's called Tenabi High School. And here's the deal with Tenabi High School. You can only transfer in. And the only people that go there basically are the protagonists from other anime series or manga series. Okay. About being like the best possible version of like a seemingly mundane thing. Okay. Okay. So, uh, you know, if you were like the captain of the swim team, but you're like the captain of the swim team for, in a swim team manga, where like everything about the swim team like is a metaphor for life, and you get superpowers related to being on the swim team. Uh huh. Then you will get transferred to this high school. So the entire student body of the high school is protagonists from other animes okay. with me so far I'm there are seven I'm yeah there very are seven with main, you yeah there are seven main characters they all have the same first name <laughs> okay 
which is like significant in a way that I don't understand yet because we're only four episodes into it because we just after we watched the first one, we obviously just kept watching it. Uh, so there is like a nerd, a gangster, a boxer, um, a beautiful boy, a like samurai. And then there are two characters that like I'm not sure what their deal is yet. And they are the seven main characters, and they're all color-coded. Uh, when you first show up to Tanabe High School, your ranking is determined by Transfer Student Pro Wrestling, okay. which is, so they all have to do pro wrestling against each other, which at first they rebel against, but eventually they do do. And here's the plot of the show. It is sort of an episodic, it's like a freak of the week thing, but what they do is that they are sent out as transfers from Tanabe High School, they are sent out as transfer students to problem high schools around Japan to solve their problems. So they're like problem okay. high school troubleshooters. That and then like and they are being unbeknownst to them, they are being ranked on their missions to determine who is the most apt to inherit or take over or to go on some here to like as of yet, not here before, as of yet, unmentioned super mission, maybe? Okay. Yup. Uh, they all have, like, the characters all have finishing moves. Well, that's only reasonable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The finishing moves are just, like, animated, which is amazing. And they all have the same, they do all have one finishing move that is the same, which is National Rail Service Fist. Or something like that, oh, where their right. fist glows, and then they punch, and then like a holographic train shoots out of their fist, and they can all do it. I don't know why that is either. It's just a thing. Okay. Yeah, so that's like a mini, that's just a taste of what like a mini episode, of what an episode of Super Sentai Brothers Watch Blazing Transfer Students would look like. Um, that Yo, Matt, sounds you should watch tremendous. this show. It's pretty incredible. Um, I <laughs> we had again we had planned to watch a movie. We just watched like an hour and a half of this show, and we're probably gonna watch more tonight. Or we'll watch Punisher, which just came out, which we haven't. We're not watching because the babies were awake. But once they're asleep, it might be Punisher time. That Punisher show looks very, very good. Yeah, but also maybe not baby-friendly. Yeah, no, definitely not baby-friendly. That's a true thing. So, yeah, Blazing Transfer Student. Uh, I'm excited to watch more of this show. And Matt, maybe to watch it with you and talk about it. But what? What, Matt, is our second star of the week? Uh, Dave, second star of the week is a great thing that I watched. And I'm not going to talk too much about it because you have not seen it yet. And I know that you are going to. Uh, but, dude, I saw Thor Ragnarok. Oh, Man, oh, and, I do want to see that movie. Yeah, I really, me, really want to see it. And let me tell you, dude, uh, I, I don't, like I said, I don't want to go really into the movie so much um, because I don't want to give anything no, away. appreciate that. Um, but what I really, okay, let me give you some non, like 100% non-spoiler um, things that I thought about the movie Okay, that I think that. are interesting. At this point, the like Marvel Cinematic Universe, and listen, listeners, hi. Hey, listeners, hi. now I'm talking directly to you. I know we talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe a lot, and I hope you're not sick of it. Uh, stick with me just a few minutes here. <laughs> Back to you, Dave. Um, I think what's really interesting is at this point, it's been going on for like a cool decade, and I think there are like 15 movies or something dumb like that, plus all the TV shows. And so it has gotten to the point where not only 
can it tell like a cool story without having to explain itself because mm-hmm. it's really just like it has done all this work like it's just down. in there now like we're good it's just like in the dna like oh like hulk and loki are in this movie they have been, they have been in a movie together but they haven't been in a movie together since avengers right. and so like we get to sort of see that sort of stuff but ah, also nice. also they i feel what's cool about it is that they can tell stories in the movies that are like it's a very cool thor story but like that version of that Thor story would never happen in the comic books because no, like definitely. that's just that's just not where the comics are. That's not who Thor in the comics is. And so we're getting to a point where we're getting to like you not only using the movies as like a tool to adapt the comics, but also in a way to like tell new stories that are like non adaptations, but. St- I mean, okay, this movie is still pretty pretty heavily adapted. I was going to say, it is still, like, my understanding is that there is a lot of adaptation, but not, it's not like a direct transfer from something. It's not like, oh, yeah, this is the Civil War event. Oh, yeah, that's Ultron. This is, like, a big, crazy mashup yeah, it's, that didn't it's like, exist in the comics. Right, it's like one-third Planet Hulk, one-third, like, a big chunk of Simonson's run on Thor, and then the last third is just, like, Marvel movie stuff that kind of works alongside all the rest of it. It's really good. And Dave, it is super funny. Like, it is funny. Okay, remember when you saw the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie and you thought, oh man, this movie is hilarious and like fun and fresh in a way that like none of the other ones had been in a long time? Yeah. And then you saw the second Guardians movie a few years later and you're like, oh, this is still funny, but it's it doesn't feel as fresh as Guardians because it's kind of the same right, aesthetic yeah. as the first one. So yeah. it was similarly good, but not similarly like knock your socks off fun. Yes, I know precisely what you're saying. Um, Thor Ragnarok has that same feeling from the first Guardians movie. Like it is like laugh out loud funny through huge parts of it. And a lot of that is that the director of this movie, uh, and I pulled up his name so I would be able to spell it or pronounce it, and then I accidentally closed the tab while we were opening up the show. I think it's Taiki Waititi. Oh, yes, man. Um, I think that is correct. Yeah, um, and he also does the voice of one of the characters in the movie. Um, is amazing. Uh, Katie and I went to go see Thor last week, and then when we got home, we finally got around to watching the vampire movie, What We Do in the Shadows which I had never seen before, but he is in and directed. Oh, um, nice. Oh, Matt, it is... Will you flip two letters? It is just to give the man the respect he deserves. It's Taika YTT. Thank you, you, thank just, you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is... that. If you can't get out to the movies to go see Thor Ragnarok, but you do definitely want some of that sweet comedy flavor, check out What We Do in the Shadows. It is on Amazon Prime. Uh and I'm not going to go like super deep into that because we need to keep rolling. It is a mockumentary about vampires in New Zealand. It's amazing. Nice. Uh, no, that sounds amazing, man. I am. I'm super, super looking forward to Thor. Um, it sounds, it sounds fantastic. Uh, but you know what else would be fantastic, Dave, is if you were to tell me about our third star of the week. So our third star of the week, Matt, is uh, is about something that happened that was not fantastic. It was just. <laughs> I okay. shouldn't laugh about this. It was just a man that I passed on the street that was having a very bad day. 
<laughs> All right. <laughs> I was just having having such an unusual bad day that I felt the need to talk about it. Well, please. So I was, this is this is your forum. I was on my, I was on my I was just running a quick errand, and I pull up behind this car at the end of my street, and its flashers are on. It's like, oh well, you know, anytime somebody's flashes are on in the middle of the street, like that's a little bit of a bummer. So I pull around. Mm-hmm. And I see that the reason that this dude's flashers are on is that his, and he is in the car, mind you, is that his left rear wheel is just gone. Oh. <laughs> like, it's just not there. It's not flat. It's just missing. Now, the tire or the whole wheel structure? No, no, no. The entire wheel. (laughs) Like, I can see this dude's rotors. Now, as I was driving back from the errand, he was still there, and I did not he had a jack under it. So clearly, like, something had happened, and someone had removed the wheel from this car. Um, Gotcha. But the other, the uh, the thing that also put it, it was like a semi-new car, not like brand, brand new, but like semi-new. Uh, and it still had temporary tags on it. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, this poor dude, like, just bought this car. It's semi-new. It looked fairly nice. And he is, and it's, like, gross and raining out today. And he is sitting in the middle of the street in the gross rain. And his wheel is just, like, something went wrong. And someone must have, like, taken it to a shop and was, like, coming back. But he couldn't just leave his car there, so he's just stuck in this car with no wheel. Um, and I was just like, man, brother, you just, that's just a bad day. Like, man, that's I not tell great. You, there's, there's nothing worse than when a wheel just decides that it is done with your car. Because uh, that, that did happen to me once, not while I was driving it. But um, my old Honda, my old 1988 Honda Civic hatchback. I remember I drove it to a sandwich shop. I went in to go get a sandwich. When I was done with the sandwich, I went back out to my car, and the wheel had just fallen off. Like, oh, dude. the the bit that connects the wheel to the like the undercarriage, like the body of the car, had just mm-hmm. rusted away so completely that like in that half an hour, it had just decided that it was no more and it would never be anymore because there was nothing left to bolt it back into because the underside of that car was so thoroughly rusted. And it was just one of those moments you look at it like, well, yeah, I guess that's it. <laughs> like, there's, you can't even be mad. Like, there's nothing to do. It's just dead. Dude, years ago when I was driving that old Red Aspire that I had... um. Something had happened. It's a it's a long story. Like something had happened with like the wheel. I forget what. Um, then it was it was like rattly. Okay, it was sort of like rocking itself back and forth. And I was like, well, that's not great. But I don't see where, like it doesn't seem to be like a real problem. And I mm-hmm. when I would like get up to certain speeds, it would be fine. Which I found out later. Like the mechanic later explained to me why that was, uh, and it wasn't solving the problem. It was just like temporarily mitigating it. And so uh, I was. This is I was engaged to Beth at the time. So this is like ten years ago, and I was driving down the highway on my way to work, and the and I was on the phone with her, and the wheel starts rattling really badly, and I was like, "Ooh, this seems bad." And I just tell Beth immediately, "I was like, listen, I've got to get off the phone. Something is wrong." And I didn't even wait for her to say anything. I just hung up and threw the phone <laughs> off to the side, okay. and like got over a lane. So I was by the berm, and as I was doing that. I heard like a, 
And I saw, and I didn't catch what it was until later, it was the heads of three of the five bolts that held my wheel on popping off of the rod (laughs) and, like, just flying past me. I hope I didn't, like, break somebody's windshield or anything. And I just, like, veered off the side of the road. And that wheel was being held on by... It was either one of four or two of five bolts. Wow. Um, Yup. So that was my losing a wheel story. (laughs) Uh, This has been Wheel Talk. Matt, what is our fourth star of the week? Uh, Fourth star of the week, Dave. It's a short one. The other day, I was... uh, And I want to preface this. I'm going to briefly reference the fact that I was having a dream... But right. I don't want you to immediately like tune out because I'm not actually going to be talking about the dream itself. That's okay. You already told me it was short, so I'm okay. Because um, listen, I there's and everyone else is good, um, and Are so I, I, I'm in bed. It is like That's, yeah, quarter after five, like five fifteen in the morning or so. Okay, and there was something in the dream um, that wake, woke me up. And I and what I thought had happened was that somewhere in the apartment, our sister, w- like, called my name out in sort of a loud but also like admonishing way. Okay. So I'm just lying in bed, and I he- think I hear someone say Matthew, and I just sit like bolt upright in bed, <laughs> in the complete darkness with no one around, and say what. <laughs> And you would think that in this moment, I would be like, oh, clearly this now, is a dream. how long, did it take you to realize that you were speaking to no one? Well, Your own guilt? I don't know. I don't know. See, here's, here's the thing. is You would think that I would look around, see that there were no lights on anywhere in the apartment, and assume that it had been a dream and gone back to bed. But when I wake up in the morning, Dave, I am not like immediately 100% with it. Like, I, mm. I take a little while to, like, get through those gears in the morning. Matt, that's everyone. That's everyone. That's why you wake up early, early, so you've got that all out of the way by the time you have to go do anything. That's certainly one way to do it. Um, so I, I did not realize, Dave, that I was talking to no one until I had, like, gotten out of bed and put on my slippers and wandered into the apartment just repeating, like, what? For, like, <laughs> about a minute. <laughs> like looking for someone to talk to and then realizing like, oh no, you're a crazy person. You're standing in the darkness shouting at no one at five in the morning. Go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. <laughs> no, Matt, uh, listen, I did one time a little while, like a few we like a week and a half ago. I got both babies out of bed because they were crying and managed to get all the way downstairs and halfway through making bottles before I looked at a clock and realized it was 1.30 in the morning. So <laughs> it's cool. I'm there with you, man. Um, what? <laughs> what, Matt, is our fourth star of the week? Dave, our, our fourth, fifth star of the week, rather, um, is a bit of dubious advertising that I saw recently that I wanted to share with you. It's like the best type of advertising. I know, right? Uh, this was advertising for the Enterprise Rental Car Agency. And it is apparently, or was recently, being sponsored by whichever new Transformers movie was coming out. 
uh, last night, I want to say. I don't know when it came out. Um, but the, the thing I really want to talk about... <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sorry. It took a second for that one to process, but that was really good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, no, the thing I want to talk about is the implications of that ad campaign, because this is an agency that rents cars to you. And it yeah. is like the images were a bunch of Amazon rental cars sitting next to like Optimus Prime see? and Bumblebee. Okay. So, I, Amazon? Enterprise. Enterprise. Sorry, you said Amazon rental cars. I was really confused for a second. I don't know, man. Give it five years. They're going to own everything. I'm just <laughs> I'm just trying to prep myself. Uh, no, Enterprise rental cars sitting next to like Bumblebee and uh, Optimus Prime and stuff. So here, here's what I'm worried about. First of all, if I go to rent a car, I want it to be like a reliable machine, maybe have a couple of nice features. What I don't want is it for it to be like a sentient machine that is also the target of an evil space robot. Like, yeah. that's not what I want in my day. And I'm really worried that that's what they're getting at. And then there's a lot of like dubious moral stuff about if these things are Transformers, you can't just rent them to me. It's an alive thing. Yeah, that's like a weird... Uh... Hmm. Yeah, it's got all sorts of strange moral implications. I'm not into it. And also, I've seen those things transform. You don't want to be inside them at the time. Yeah, no, you definitely do not. Like, well, there are actually, maybe, there may be three the Transformers versions. where that is a good version. Well, the movie versions, you definitely don't want to be inside. And the actual toy versions, uh, I don't know if you remember this, Matt, and a lot of them, there were, like, little tiny statues of dudes in, like, the driver's seats sometimes. Sometimes, uh, but I feel like that is sort of few and far between, especially, yeah. as I say, with the movie versions. Uh, so I guess that is my that is that is my warning to you all. Uh, when you go to Enterprise <laughs> Rental Cars, uh, just make sure you're not accidentally borrowing an alive thing that might get into a fight. That's, Matt, I think that's just good advice in general. Hey, man, you know, we're, we're here to help, Dave. We are here to be excellent to each other, and that is my that is my offering this week. Um, but what else we are going to do this week, Dave, is we're going to take a break. We're going to watch episode five of Chorky Sentai O-Ranger, Fierce Love, The Burning Brothers, and we will be right back. All right, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode five. Um, fierce love, Dave. Those brothers. Oh, those brothers. Oh man. O Ranger is O Ranger is raw, man. O Ranger is exceedingly raw. Now, part of this is that having a brother, uh, I I am always like especially a soft touch when it comes to brother stories. Oh yeah, no, me too, absolutely. Oh hey, Matt. Speaking of uh, being brothers and family. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody who's listening. Uh, this will this is coming out Thanksgiving weekend oh, or yeah. Thanksgiving week. So happy Thanksgiving! Happy Thanksgiving Spend it with everybody. your family. It's gonna be great. Uh, this there there are some people eating in this episode, but it's not it's not Thanksgiving dinner. It's a no, different it's thing. It's a very different thing. <laughs> okay, so we we start off and there's a young young lad named Takashi, and he mm -hmm. is being chased out of school by some bullies. 
Yes. And the reason that the bullies are bullying him is not because he's a nerd that gets good grades. It's because he gets very bad grades. Yes, he has gotten a three on his most recent homework. I don't know what that's in reference to. It might be out of four. It might be out of 27. 27 seems like a stretch, but... That seems like an odd number. But yeah, so he's gotten a three. He's gotten a very bad grade, which... um, Listen, there is a stereotype joke to be made there. Uh, This is a Japanese show, so I I feel like I could get away with it, but I'm I'm not going to do that. I just want to note that it's there. Yeah, like this this kid ain't this kid ain't Billy. He's not getting made fun of because he's an egghead. Right. Um, so, anyways, uh, the these bullies are bullying. Is it Takashi? Right, Takashi. Yeah. yeah. So these bullies are bullying Takashi, and his big brother shows up. Uh, we do get his name eventually. Oh, do we? we? I do not have it anywhere in my notes. It's like they mention it one time, and his name is Suyoshi. Suyoshi, okay. Yeah, but he is the big brother. And it looks as though Suyoshi is going to, has like shown up just to save Takashi. This is not really the case. Uh, He does scare the bullies away like by his presence. And so he he saves Takashi in that sense. But Takashi's just like, big brother, like awesome. Thank you so much. You're the best. And Suyoshi is like, you are weak and pathetic and I have no brother. Yeah, so, like, he did not come to save Takashi. He just happened to be walking past. Yeah. Which is ice cold, Tsuyoshi? Oh, it is exceedingly cold. And Takashi is like, dude, come on. Like, be be cool. And Tsuyoshi's like, no, man. Like, get away from me. I'm going home. Like, I don't want to walk with you. Yeah, Yuji arrives. And Yuji uh, just said, like... He's like, hey, man, you guys are brothers. Brothers need to stick together. And so Yoshi says, I don't want a brother like Takashi. He's, I forget exactly what he says, but he's like. But whatever he says, it's exceedingly cruel. It's just, yeah, like an awful thing to say. Now, in that moment, uh, Barracactus arrives. Barracactus won. Yeah, Barracactus won. That is important. Now, normally we would lament the arrival of any sort of monster, but in this instance, I'm cool with it because it ends that conversation quickly, which is great. Yes. So Barracactus and Yuji start to get into a fight. Yeah. Um, Yuji's doing cool jump kicks. Barracactus has like spines that are shooting out of his shoulders and body and that are exploding. Well, it's very are, cool. Uh, no, no, those are the stamen of uh, the flowers that are on his shoulders. Ah, uh, yes. I apologize. Which did strike me as weird. Like, it's a cactus. They are covered in spikes, rather famously. Why would you make the exploding thing that he shoots the, the steaman from the flower on his shoulder? Like, what? I don't know. These are fancy cactus boys. I guess, man. Um, so this fancy, fancy cactus man launches exploding steamens, and then he he does this like poison pollen attack. It like drifts out of his shoulders and it, and it, and it sort of like it, well, man, that got away from me. It's a poison pollen attack. The poison pollen drifts from his shoulders and it poisons people. Sure. The poison pollen poisons people. Yeah. Say that 10 times fast. Uh, so anyways, he, uh, Yuji does King Blaster and like sort of drives Barracactus away, but does not kill him. Yeah, 
Now, in, in the poison pollen attack, specifically, it was Takashi that had gotten hit by the pollen. Everyone right. else was either far enough away or wearing a face mask, and they and are okay. It is cool. Yeah, now, Tsuyoshi, when he sees that his brother is down, does Rick rush to, rush to his aid? He, when he sees that Takashi is, is hurt, he's like, oh my gosh, Takashi, like, let me help, let me take care of you. So he picks him up and then run away. Okay. Now, Takashi sort of comes to in this moment, yeah. and he's like, oh, no, I'm fine, leave me alone, and just sort of like blank-faced, like, disregards Yuji and um, Tsuyoshi and just wanders away on his own. Yeah. So that's the end of that scene. The next scene we see is pretty short, but we see it's in the kitchen. It's in a kitchen. It's Takashi's kitchen. Well, it's the house in which he lives. Like, he probably doesn't own it. That would be crazy. I don't know. We so never see any parents kitchen. of these kids. He might own it. I mean, it would be weird, father. but it wouldn't be the weirdest thing that happens in this episode. Yeah, as far as I can tell, Japan, if Sentai is any indication, Japan is composed of, like, solidly 80% orphans. <laughs> um, so he is in the kitchen, and he is just eating, st- not food. I was about to say stuff, but that would have led you to believe he was eating food. That's not the case. Uh, the first thing he eats is the oven. Yeah, he's just eating parts of the oven. Kind of random parts, like the grill cover and stuff. And yeah, when you- there was a... It was a weird choice, but it's and, easily accessible. And when you, like, the camera closes in on it, you can see that it's kind of just, like, graham cracker that has been pasted together with sort of, like, a like a colored, maybe, like, a fondant or something. And yeah, molded something like into that. something that the kid can pick up and eat. Now, this is, like, semi-famous at this point, but there is a Japanese game show. Have you ever heard of this game show? Well, you it's haven't relevant. told me what it I, is, so... Well, I feel like if you had heard of it... Okay, so what it is, is that it is a replica of a house, all right? Okay. And some of the items in the house are cunningly disguised chocolate. Oh. And you just have to find out uh, using... I think you can only use your mouth to find out <laughs> which things are chocolate and which things are not. So basically, it's Japanese celebrities walking around just kind of biting stuff in a house until eventually we find like a doorknob made out of chocolate. Oh, I love it. So um, that's what Takashi is doing. And then he is also eating part of a computer. And he, is, he eats part of the computer and then it zooms in on his eyes and we see like a flash of, of animated circuitry in his eyes. So whatever's happening, he's like turning into a robot or turning into a machine or something. Right. And we see the effects of this pretty quickly. So the next day, we're at school and Takashi is in class. His teacher asks him to come up and solve like a subtraction, like subtract one fraction from another sort of problem. Um, And everyone in the class starts laughing because, as we learned from earlier in the episode, Takashi is not good at school. And so they are really expecting... quickly, this is a very bad teacher. Like, oh, well, I listen, mean, she is, lady. she is punished very shortly. Right, so, which is appropriate. She needs to be, she should be, like, professionally reprimanded. First of all, if you know that student is, like, actively bad at your subject, why would you call on them to, like, come up to the board and solve a problem? All that's going to do is, like, decrease their enthusiasm for their subject and publicly shame them. Also, she has bad classroom control because, like, the entire class turns around and is, like, pointing and laughing at this one kid. It's wildly inappropriate. Well, this it, has been it, teacher corner. It, it with, backfires on her Dave. because uh, Takashi goes up to the uh, board and immediately writes down the correct answer. 
And then he says, teacher, I have a problem for you. And he just starts writing like, man, I'm bad at math and I don't know what this equation is. Is it like, is this, there's sines and cosines in it. Is this trigonometry? Um, Matt, I have a vague guess that that might be true, but. Anyway, he writes out this very long formula and says, like, teacher, can you answer this problem? And the teacher, who's like an elementary school math teacher, and probably if she ever had to do this, did it in college 10 years ago, was like, ah, uh, like she just, she, I'm not going to say she panics, but she freezes up, definitely. She and flop I, sweats, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and she's like, ah, uh, I cannot. And he says, then go wait in the hole. <laughs> right. Like, he solves it for her. We see, like, a flash in his eyes, and we see, like, computer stuff, like, going through his brain as he solves the problem, and he just writes it all out. He's like, I have solved the problem. Now you go wait in the hall, teacher. And she's yeah, like, now, oh, um, uh, yes, sir, I will. Which, again, which again, that's not how school is. Yeah, <laughs> like, so, the one who is best at math is not automatically the teacher and able to punish everyone else. Well, you know, Matt, I probably shouldn't say this out loud, but uh, that actually is how school works. That's why you have to have like a master's degree is so you can maintain your mastery over class. At any, any moment, they can challenge you to an academic yeah, duel and take control of your classroom. Moment, any student can can declare war, uh, you know, effectively. And if they can defeat you, then you they become the teacher and uh, and you're out of a job. It's it's it doesn't happen a lot. It doesn't happen a lot, and there are rules, but um, that is that is actually true. Well, that is dangerous. I guess that's why tenure is so important. It is, yeah. Tenure is like uh, <laughs> it's like temporary hit points for that. Like you can. So, anyways, uh, he forces her to go wait in the hallway, and uh, then the next thing we see is that he has used his newfound power to get the bullies outside. So he says, like. He, he has met them outside, and they say, like, yeah, what do you want? You know, bully style. You know how bullies are. Like bullies do. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, I wanted to pay you back for yesterday. And they're like, okay, what exactly do you mean? He opens his mouth. We see a quick flash of, like, the burner from the stove that he was eating yesterday. And then just fire starts pouring out of Takashi's mouth. Like a flamethrower attacking these other children. Right. So, first of all, that's bananas. Second of all, Takashi had... This is this would be a cool superhero. Like, I would read a comic book about a dude with this power. Third of all, uh, this basically... Well, I kind of already said it. This is what has happened to Takashi. He has gained the ability through this poison pollen to consume and he clearly doesn't have to consume like all of it or even like the relevant part of it yeah he like consumes pieces of machinery and like absorbs there's no way that this makes sense but like absorbs their machine dna and like can then replicate the powers of that machine in his own body Okay, so he Let has, me... like, computer powers. He has flamethrower breath from the oven. Okay, so let me try to work on this. So we know that the Machine Empire exists, right? And that they are, like, living sentient things that happen to be mechanically based as opposed to, like, biologically based. Correct, yeah. Right? 
but they are living organisms, and maybe those things do have machine DNA, and maybe that means that in the world of O-Ranger, all machines kind of have that sort of thing. And so when Takashi is hit with this pollen, which is probably some sort of, like, nanobot thing. No, yes, precisely. Like, it rewires his body to be able to process the machine DNA. And, like, repurpose eating, like, a part of the stovetop into having flamethrower breath. Love it. Love it, Matt. Uh, So... He is he is attacking. They like just run away. I think he doesn't actually. So right after this happens, uh, Tsuyoshi runs up and sort of like asks Takashi like, "What's going on?" And clearly, he has missed yep. all of this stuff because <laughs> his immediate response is not like, "Hey, bro, what's with the flamethrower breath?" Yeah, he does not. Uh, he just is like, "Are you okay? What were those bullies doing back here?" And Takashi sort of tries. Forget what he says, but he's just like, "You're not my brother," and he like shoves him really hard. And he oh, shoves, is like. Is this where he says that he has no use for filthy humans? It's about to be, yeah. Like, so Takashi also seems to have some at least degree of, like, super strength. So, Tsuyoshi goes flying. You know how strong ovens are. Right. Yuji goes... Then Yuji is just there. And, like, Dive catches Tsuyoshi out of midair. And then they land. And Yuji says, Takashi, like, what are you doing? Why are you attacking your brother? And Takashi looks at him and, like, waves his finger and says, uh, as you mentioned, Matt, I have no use for filthy humans. Well, at least he's forthright. Right. And then that scene ends, and Yuji is just back at the base. So... You know, you would think that if a child told you that he had no use for humans, and you were in the middle of a war against robots, you would look into that. I was gonna, yeah. So, um... so okay, so to Yuji's credit, he goes back and he's reporting in on what's going on with these two kids. Yeah. He's like, it's really weird. Like, brothers shouldn't be acting this way. But, like, that's his problem. His problem isn't, this guy might be an evil robot now. His problem is, this family needs to get together better. Yeah, um, and so Sohei looks at him and he's just like, uh, Yuji, did you like, did you always want a brother? And and they're like, they start talking about their own siblings. Right. And saying like, oh, Yuji, all we ever did was fight. Yeah, Yuji is an, an only child and the other O-Rangers are like, oh, you had just have no idea what it is like to have a brother. This is basically it. Like, like you know, like siblings fight all the time. It's cool. Just let them be. Right. Uh, <laughs> they should have like at this point he should have mentioned yeah but he threw him like 50 feet yeah it was very okay so this is a very weird moment because Yuji admits he was an only child and he says but I know and like kind of under his breath not to anyone he says but I know what having a sibling is like but then that never gets addressed there's nothing what the heck kind of enigmatic, crazy statement is that to just drop in the middle of the episode and then never talk about again? I mean, I have a secret dream that in like 10 episodes, this is going to come back, but I don't think it will. Man, that would be super... Listen, okay. Here's what I will say is there was stuff that I really did not think was going to come back at like the end of Kaku Ranger that like did. So maybe... Maybe. I'm holding out hope that would be very cool. Um, But Yuji knows what having a sibling is like for reasons that are not mentioned at all. 
So we go from there, and we just see sort of like a, a park. It's not like a park, like a, like a walking area in, in the middle of a city. I feel like, I feel almost certain we've seen this scene, this setting in like a couple other Sentai Oh, series. sure, sure. And uh, it's this nice couple, a loving couple, and they are walking past some flowers, and Barracactus hits them with that same poison pollen. Yeah, he has, like, hidden himself among the flowers. Which, uh, these... Okay, maybe he can shrink, because these flowers are not large enough for that to happen. Well, I, I don't know, man. I think he was, like, underground and just had, like, his shoulder flowers sticking above the ground or something. It's sort of a weird look. But he definitely... He gets them with the pollen, and then it cuts to, like, shots around that same area, where apparently he's been hitting a bunch of people with the pollen. And they're going crazy. Like, some of them are eating fire extinguishers. One dude is just, like, chomping down on some power lines. Yeah. Um, so, Yuji shows up. Is it Yuji or is it all the rangers? It's just Yuji at first. Right. So, Yuji shows up and is just, like, trying to get these people to to stop. Yeah. But Bulldont is there and he's like... Prince Bulldog, that is, is like sitting on top of a roof and he's like, aha, oh ranger, like, isn't this a cool idea? These people eat machinery and then they have the machinery power and then there's complete chaos and I guess eventually this means we'll rule the world. Like, I don't know how to really like A to B to see that plan, but you get it. Um, yeah, it's, well, okay, listen, I guess if everyone is a robot, then... Man, this is two weeks in a row of trying to turn everyone into robots. Well, listen, if you are just, like, the natural king of robots and all robots would would just, like, acknowledge your sovereignty as the emperor of robots, then trying to turn everyone into robots is a pretty good plan. Well, that's true. That is true. So, okay. So, anyways, um, Takashi now is, uh, we go from there and... Oh, Yuji is getting attacked by, like... Fire extinguisher breath and lightning blasts oh, yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you um, and then there's two barracactuses. The second barracactus shows up. Barracactus number two, and it's barracactus one's little brother. Yes, and then the rest of the uh, O Rangers show up to help Yuji because, like, all yeah. of a sudden now Yuji is out of his league. Yeah, and I do. I never get tired, Matt, of just the uh, out of the blue arrival of Rangers. Like, there's no reason for them to be there. Yuji is completely alone, and then the pan- camera pans by, and all five are running on stage. It's um, great. Let, let um, us for a moment talk about Barracactus Two, because yeah. what I really like about Barracactus Two is that he definitely looks similar to Barracactus One. But not the exact same. Like, he's got the same general template, but, like, the design details and the colors and, like, the shape of the flowers on his shoulders and, like, his head design are all kind of different. Like, these dudes look like they are of a pair, but not twins. Like, they're just brothers. I really love it. That's what I'm going to say. They are brothers, not twins. It's great. And, uh, dude, these brothers know how to fight together. Like they've got some teamwork feats, like things are really good. Like they are they are rocking the Rangers pretty well. Right. This fight, by the way, is taking place in a junkyard, which is important to note because we cut to Takashi as he is eating a car door. Yeah, love it. So as he is eating this car door, um so he is now a computer oven car? 
Sure. Anyways, uh, so he's eating this. We're back to the fight. And again, the Brown Cactus is winning like pretty handily. And uh, I did note something, Matt. I am I'm pretty sure that the junkyard might be the O-Ranger quarry. Like none of these fights have happened in quarries. We're seeing a lot of junkyards in in O-Ranger. Like which makes sense because they're fighting machines, right? Yeah. I but mean we have like we this, have definitely gotten we have junkyards one or two past. quarries. Yeah, but this is like the second episode where a big thing has happened in a in a junkyard. This, I just listen. Maybe this is wishful thinking on my part. I would just love a friggin' change of scenery. <laughs> well, let's keep our eyes open for that as the season goes on. I think that and, would be an interesting <laughs> tally to keep, like yeah. quarries versus junkyards. So, uh, so they're fighting, and you can tell that this fight has been going on for a while. Um, I don't mean in the show. I just mean it took them a long time to film it because their gloves are very dirty. Like I think you can you can get a little like behind the scenes peek if you check out how dirty those gloves are, because like when the, most of the time like when a scene starts at like the beginning of an episode those gloves are pristine and then by the end of it like they're kind of dirty gray. Oh yeah, I mean, well that's what happens when you all wear white gloves and then just like fight around in like the filthiest mud holes. <laughs> so uh, the Rangers pull out their king blasters. And they're just like, all right, King Blaster, like, super shot, whatever our thing is. So they all shoot at the Baracactus brothers. The Cactus brothers? Cacti brothers. And it doesn't work. Right. Like, they are able to together put up some sort of reflective energy shield that shoots it back at the O-Rangers. Yeah. So uh, Baracactus 1 launches some attack at the Rangers, and then he... He, like, jumps on the shoulders of Baracactus 2, who's the little brother, and, like, delivers some attack to the rangers. And then he lands, and he turns back, and he's like, all right, finish it. And Baracactus 2, like, runs up and jumps to, like, do the same move where he's going to, like, push, like, launch himself off of Baracactus 1's shoulders. But he flubs the move. Yeah, like, he puts his foot on the flower instead of the shoulder and just, like, slips off and falls forward. It's, oh my gosh, it's amazing. And, uh, which we've just never seen before. Like, we've never seen a bad guy <laughs> just face just like, plant on their finishing move. It's very good. So, as so, this is happening, um, Suyoji is trying to get Takashi away from this fight. So, like, Takashi keeps trying to, like, eat everything around him. But Suyoji is just dragging him away. Yep. And as all of this, like, final attack stuff is happening... A f- tire falls over and like lands on Suyoji's foot and he's trapped he's like no Takashi like go on without me like get to safety it's okay yeah now uh they actually have a moment of peace because Baracactus 1 is so furious that Baracactus 2 has goofed the second move that he he temporarily stops attacking the rangers and starts attacking his own brother like you dumb idiot. I can't, like we had it. I can't believe you dropped the last moment. You big dumb dummy. Yeah. But then he turns to see this scene with COG and Takashi where like the one is trying to protect the other and he and he like he hesitates, right? Cuz like he's closing in on them to attack and then he sees this happen and he hesitates. He's like, "Wait a second. What is going on here? Like why yeah. do you two people care about each other?" So when when that happens, uh, the Rangers sort of sees this 
sees this moment. Um, so Takashi runs off. So Yoshi turns to the Rangers and just says, like, save my little brother. Yuji, so the four Rangers stay with Tsuyoshi, and Yuji runs off after Takashi. Okay. Um, as they are turning around to, like, re-engage this fight, Bacchus Wrath, who has been, like, observing this whole thing on the moon, does some sort of, like, energy teleport. So he, like, recalls Baracactus 1 and 2 back to the moon. Right. That was redundant, but yes. So they land on the moon, and, like, Baracactus 1 is sort of, like, out on... Bacchus Wrath's patio like he hasn't like talked to Bacchus Wrath yet and he's sitting there thinking to himself like why were those humans protecting each other like what was that like this is really really weird like it resonates with me in some way but I don't know what the word for it is and Bacchus Wrath walks up he's like oh yeah that's brotherly love and it sucks yeah like, it's the worst thing, and, like, we have no space for it. Yeah, like, you must purge yourself of all emotions um, and just, like, crush everything before you. We have no place for anything like that here in the Baranoia Empire. Yeah. And then uh, Baracactus 1 looks over at Baracactus 2, who is, like, damaged and, like, kind of being dragged away. And he's yeah. Like, and in this moment, like, the concept of brotherly love not only, like clicks into his robot brain but he immediately feels it he's like oh that's my brother i have brotherly love towards him like we need to like i need to protect him and like and then the two cactus brothers gang up on the rest of the dudes in this throne room and start fighting back it is amazing It's it's incredible so bacchus is like no f that and he blasts baracactus one and he says, listen, here's the deal. Okay, so you'd like love your brother or whatever? You're going to go kill the Rangers. And if you don't, I will kill your brother. Yeah. And he like uses his energy teleport and like gets Bacchus or uh, gets Baracactus back in the fight. So now, like, the Rangers don't know it, but Baracactus is, is in a it's like no longer a bad guy, kind of. Yeah, like he's still trying to like attack them, but it's not it is not the same as it was a few minutes ago. Yeah. Um so we flip from there and we see Takashi, and Takashi has like knocked over a policeman and taken his revolver. <laughs> in in a in a moment that looks extremely shocking, just puts the barrel of this gun in his mouth. And I know he's doing it to eat the gun, but like guys, that is some bad imagery. Well, okay, I think you and I know that, and Takashi knows it. I don't think the policeman knows it. Because the policeman is just like, no, stop, don't, like, what are you doing when he points the gun at himself? So I think, like, I think they acknowledge the fact that it does look like Takashi is about to shoot himself. Uh, he Again, he doesn't. He just eats that gun, which is fantastic. Um... And then we cut back to the fight between the like the four rangers who had sort of stayed behind and Baracactus One. And Baracactus One is like kinda doing well, but like you can tell that he's not as focused as he was a minute ago. Yeah. Uh, we flip back to Takashi and Yuji has just arrived. And he's like, Takashi, like come to your senses. What's wrong? Are you okay? Like, you know, just like trying to get through to him. 
Takashi totally ignores Yuji and just says, Lord Barakactus is in danger. I have to help and just runs away. And then the next scene we see, it's back to the fight and Barakactus at this point is basically lost. And they are about to, the rangers are about to finish him off, but Takashi runs up and basically stands, is like human shields this. He stands in between the rangers and Barakactus. Uh, but it, it, he's not just a shield. He is also like a flamethrower, and he now has a gun hand. And when oh, I say yeah, he has it's, a gun hand, it's super weird. Yes, he is not like, he doesn't have like a Mega Man gun arm. He has like, it is though someone just like took his hand and melded it into a revolver. Like it kind of like the colors transition and it's just like his hand is just like kind of this lump around the base of where the revolver is. It's su- like it's a for a it's special a cool effect. It yeah, looks it's really cool as a prosthetic, but as something to look at, it is deeply troubling. Yeah. So this uh, so he shoots at them with the gun hand. He uses the fire breath. So he's and they're like, what are we going to do? Like, we can't attack this little boy. And in this moment, Suyoshi arrives. So Yoshi arrives, and he he sort of interposes himself between Takashi and the Rangers, and he says he makes an admission. He says Takashi, he says it's not that I didn't love you, I was just being mean to you to toughen you up. Like you couldn't rely on me all the time. You needed to be able to stand on your own, and that's why I that's why I was so mean to you. Which I mean, that's listen. Not, it's not, not a, a good great plan, Suyoshi. Right, but you know his his heart's in the right place. Right, he's just a dumb kid. Yeah, he just he just doesn't know how people work. Uh, but he does love his brother, so he is basically he is staring down the face of Takashi's gun hand. Now, when gun you say fist, staring down the face, staring down the barrel of he's well, I'm staring, sorry. you know. I I wanted to uh, get back to face there because at this point, Takashi is pointing this gun, which again, does not look like a sci-fi laser pistol. It just looks like a gun at his brother's forehead. It's, uh, it's just not a great image. No, but but that's sort of happening in the background. And in this moment, because Barakactus has sort of gotten back in the fight and he has hit uh, Goro... And Goro drops a, a Star Riser, his sword, that sort of flies across the courtyard where they're fighting and lands in the foreground of the shot where the two brothers are. Yes. So Tsuyoshi, he like reaches out. He takes Takashi's gun hand in his own hands and is like, my brother, like Takashi, like you need to, you need to work past this. Like, don't, don't do this. And it works. It works. Takashi becomes human again, and the gun hand just like just fades away, basically. And they hug, and it's great. It's the best. And so uh, he says, "Like, let's fight, Takashi. Me and you, as brothers, together." Mm. So good. Mm. Love it. So they run over to the Star Riser, and they're gonna go pick it up to like go attack a Barracactus with it. And as they're going to do this, Yuji rolls up, and he's like. Hey guys, let me fight with you. I always wished that I had brothers like you guys. You guys are great. So they all they all three pick up Star Riser and just sort of run forward with it as though it's like a battering ram, which is 
like not a great way to use that weapon, probably, but like I understand the symbolism. I was gonna say practically, like for shooting this episode, I can't think of another way that three people could attack one dude with one sword. Yeah. So, uh, so they just like they they run in and they just stab him like all together, and then the Rangers get back up. They got the breather that they needed, and then they use their King Blasters or the King Smashers. And then that is the end of... Well, it seems like the end of Baracactus. It's certainly he the end of blasted. this fight. Yeah, it's the end of this fight, and he gets teleported away again. Crazy. So we cut... What's going on? We cut to what, in any other episode, would be the end of the episode. We see the two brothers. They're playing soccer with a bunch of other kids. Like, Suyoji passes the ball to Takashi, who kicks it in, and he gets the goal. And everyone's happy. And the O-Rangers are sort of off to the side of the soccer field, like, watching all this happen. And Yuji's yeah. like, yeah, you know, like, this is good. I'm this glad that cool. they're working together again. And Sohei looks at him and he's just like, Yuji, do you just want a big brother? I'll be your big brother. Like, from this day forth, I am your big brother. Come here. Give me a hug. Right. But he, like, doesn't take it. He's not being serious. He's, like, clearly making fun of Yuji. And, like, Yuji gets that. It's like, so hey, come on, like that's not that's very uncool. Like Yuji has just expressed this like deep like you know they're friends. Like they've been working together for a long time. They've said as much in the previous episode. So like they're really good pals. You've just discovered this important thing about Yuji that he always wanted a brother, uh, and you choose this moment to make fun of him about it? I don't know. I, I actually kinda like this because I wouldn't like it if these guys weren't old friends, but well, since they okay. are, like, this definitely just, like, the look on Shohei's face is like, this is going to be great. Like, like this is well, clearly, okay. like, I feel like this is establishing the relationship between these two characters for us. Yeah, now what would be extra great is if he kind of did actually adopt him as a little brother, and, uh, like, it started as a joke, but it became real. Ah. Oh. Uh, so anyways, so we go, and but that's not actually the end of the episode. I wish it was. Boy, boy, do I as well. It isn't, though. But instead, so we, we get to find out how hard and cold is the heart of Bacchus Wrath. Yeah, so we see Baracactus 1 back up on the moon, and he looks up. He's been teleported back after he lost this fight, and he looks up. And he sees the mangled robot corpse of Baracactus 2. And it's like hung up on a wall. And one of its eyes is ripped out. Like it's, I mean, it's as gruesome as a dead robot can look, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Um, And and he turns to Bacchus Wrath and he's like, dude, you told me if I went and fought, then like you wouldn't kill my brother. What on earth is going on here? And Bacchus Wrath says... Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I lied about that. We needed basically to tear your brother apart and figure out what went wrong in his machine body that taught him to love so that we could destroy it. Right. But also, you are brothers, so that same part is in you. So now I have to destroy you as well. So he does that, just like blasts him into oblivion. And oh, then... but he does that, like, as Baracactus 1 is crawling towards the body of Baracactus 2, just oh, in case geez. this wasn't sad enough for you. And then he says something about, like, 
the machine empire, like machines do not know love. Oh, all love is useless to us. It is the never ending yeah. silence that we long for. He says this as he is stepping on and crushing the head of Baracactus one. Yeah. And he says, we will destroy earth and then we will have the silence that we wish for or something like, okay. Like Bunkus wrath is like real dumb looking. But as a villain, like, this dude just cranked it to 11. Yeah. Like, I... He does look a little dopey, but he might be great. I Yeah, dude. I think he might be real, real good. Uh, but that is the end of the episode. Yes, Dave, but it's not the end of our episode. Uh, because first, we need to determine where these Cactus Brothers end up in the Creature Royale. Okay, well, first I'm going to say that I think, obviously, they, they occupy the same spot. Oh, sure. They go together on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, past that, well, first of all, uh, I think they've got, they've got a pretty cool gimmick. They've got a cool gimmick, and they've got a like cool... Like the weird nanobot pollen thing is, yeah. is kind of a neat idea. And I think they've got a great look that is sort of enhanced by the fact that they have similar but not identical looks. Yes, and then also, man, like, just the relationship between, like, they're not on stage or on screen for a really long time, but in that amount of time, they really tell a story with these guys. Yeah, and you know, I remember a few episodes ago, you were, maybe it was even last episode, you were talking about how you were worried that the Barra, like, Machine Empire robot monster dudes, I stretched that out about as long as I could, um, <laughs> that the monsters of the week in O-Ranger were just going to be like, hi, I'm a drill and I'm mad at you. Um, and I was saying that, like, no, 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 don't worry. Like, some of these things have real legitimate, like, characters behind them. And yeah. this is what I was thinking of. Yeah, so I'm really excited about it. Uh, I'm looking pretty high on this list, Matt. Okay, well, where, where did uh, Barra Vanish end up last week? Uh, Barra Vanish ends up at spot 66. I, I'm thinking way higher than that. Oh, yeah. Because Barrack, well, Barrack Crusher is spot 39. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I had forgotten Barrack Crusher momentarily. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, seriously, I'm looking up at, I'm looking up at, like, Golly Sensei, Hungry Wolf Demon. I mean. I am at least looking up at Dryer Dimension. Okay, well, Dry Dimension is the one that eventually turns good because he just can't... Yeah, that's actually a great spot. Dry Dimension is the monster from Jetman that... Uh, they try to turn him evil, but he's ultimately just wants to be like a hairstylist. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a great episode. It's um, a really good episode, and it's actually pretty... I feel like analogous. There's a lot of similarities here. So, um, I, I'm actually cool, like, right in there, Matt. Well, now, the question is, do you, like, Better or worse than Dryer Dimension? I don't know. I mean, there's there's two of these guys, so that's double your double power. Uh, that's, you I, know, I, and I was yeah. That's that's where I'm at. So I think they're just above Dryer Dimension. Okay, so that makes them our new number twenty. Well, congratulations. Uh, first of all, O Ranger, just like uh, proceeding from strength to strength, as it were. Like they started started at the bottom. Now they're here, Matt. All the way up here, top twenty, dude. Yeah, for real. That was that's a fast top twenty. 
Uh, so anyways, Matt, but that's it for us. Yeah, that is going to do it for another episode of For Your Eyes, O-Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. You want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things that we're mentioning on Twitter, we are at Super Sentai Bros. If you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find the show, because that's what's going to help new people find it. Uh, Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. To find any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can do so at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Once again, we're the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth.